Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Romance and Color. I'm your host, Tati Richardson, here with another amazing author interview. I hope y'all have been enjoying them this season. I know I have. They've really enriched me, blessed me in some kind of way, and I've definitely, definitely learned something along the way from every single author uh, that I've talked to, particularly as a debut author. I've definitely learned so much. Uh, But this week, we have another amazing interview uh, with author Stella Williams. Stella is an indie author who has an expansive amount of series and novellas. Uh, she writes para, mostly paranormal romance, as well as a little bit of contemporary. We talk a little bit about her contemporary as well. Uh, but she also, interesting enough, has a background in anthropology. And we talk about how that serves her in creating this world building that she does in her paranormal romances. So you all sit back, relax, and enjoy this wonderful and enlightening episode uh, with author Stella Williams. Enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Romance and Color. I am here with author Stella Williams. I'm so excited to interview her. Um, She is an author of contemporary romance and paranormal romance, Um, and I'm just really excited to talk to her. So, Hi, Stella. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. So I'm going to ask you the question I ask everybody when they first come on, which is, what was your introduction to romance? When did you first fall in love with with romance and was introduced to the genre? Uh, For me, it was through my mom. She was an avid Harlequin romance reader and my earliest memories of her going to the grocery store every week and like pulling the two dollar books all of all the new ones for the week off the rack and uh, she would just sit and start reading and you know at like four or five years old I was curious and I would be reading over her shoulder and asking her questions that she didn't want to answer (laughs) (laughs) it's all right my daughter now (laughs) So between like Harlequin romance and the early Beverly Jenkins historicals, mm. uh, Francis Ray, um, Toni Morrison, all of those were my intro to romance as a reader. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so what, what was the turning point that kind of made you transition from just being an avid romance reader to romance writer? Um, to specifically for paranormal romance, it was, um, Queen of the Damned, the movie with Aaliyah. Mm, mm, Yes, yeah. I loved that movie so much. She was just so beautiful and ethereal. And Mm -hmm. I was already reading romance. And even though I had the introduction of, of like Beverly Jenkins and Francis, Ray and at the beginning mm-hmm. um you know after that I lived in places where it was harder to find black romance um mm-hmm. I lived in rural California where there wasn't very many black people mm-hmm. and then I moved to Japan <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. so that was um kind of like a lot 
to kind of deal with. And I was like, I don't really see myself represented in these books. And so I just, I sat down and I was like, well, let me just try my hand at, at writing it myself and see what happens. Mm -hmm. So I think my first introduction to you was not your paranormal, but it was just the contemporary romance, um, Unforgettable Valentine. Yes. Um, with Sanai and Dom. Oh my God, I love that story. Um, <laughs> it was so. It was so. It had all the the tropes. You know what I mean? It, it was, <laughs> uh, you know, fake girlfriends, fake, you know, being stuck in one bed, one place. All of that, and I, and I don't remember how. I think I may have gotten it on a net galley or something like that. And so I was like, "Oh, okay." I don't think I've ever read any Stella Williams, so I just picked you up. And I was like, "Okay, I'm a fan. I'm, I'm a fan of of her. I like, I like, I like what's what she's doing." Um. So when did you kind of switch to paranormal right now? Are you just kind of a, a, doing a mix of both? Uh, a mix of both, actually. My first published. Um, books were paranormal romance um, and my very first book was IR mm-hmm. uh, black woman white man vampire romance mm-hmm. uh, and after I finished that series and got comfortable with publishing I was just like okay I got into writing this because I wanted to see more color characters of color and mm-hmm. characters of color on the cover mm-hmm. you know especially with paranormal um and then I kind of got I need to take a break from paranormal mentally mm-hmm. um because I just I was kind of burnt out by it I mm-hmm. just had kids and I was just like you know <laughs> yeah. lots going on I just need to you know go back to you know finding like my romance kind of roots and unforgettable valentine was really just a total brain dump that I never intended to publish really yes (laughs) oh man I love it oh my god and uh my my sisters are my beta readers Mm -hmm. I know that's contrary to what everyone says don't have people close to you read it because they're not going to be truthful with you but my mm-hmm. sisters are actually kind of rude so <laughs> <laughs> so they tell me if something's like not good mm-hmm. uh, and so they were like no you need to you need to publish this this is great uh what? you know it's a trope mashup mm-hmm. and I was like all right, I'll put it out there. I'll see if anyone likes it. And uh, that's what kind of got me back into writing contemporary and also with publishing contemporary. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's awesome. Sometimes I guess you need just that that break to just or just do something a little different to just kind of jolt you back into, into doing things. So am I reading correctly since you have a degree in anthropology? Yes. And... I wonder how does the degree in anthropology inform your uh, writing, is particularly the paranormal? Because anthropology is all about evolution and all about changing and all about you know the animal, the, us coming from animals. 
and things of that nature. So how does that inform you into writing, you know, paranormal? Oh, it's so influential. Um, my main focus was in social anthropology, which was studying mm. cultures, mm. which is great for world building and mm. building fantasy, um, paranormal cultures um, and societies um, and setting them realistically in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I say the easiest way to explain it is um, part of my anthropology homework was just like riding the bus and watching people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, sitting at a park and and watching what people did, what were the the quote unquote rules of being mm-hmm. at the park. You know, mm-hmm. was it okay to be loud? Was it okay to be on your phone? Um, where you was there a requirement to be active? You mm-hmm. know, uh, what were the social interactions? Was it a space where you could meet new people, or was it kind of like a no, we're just going to keep to ourselves kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what helps me kind of flesh out um, not just the societies, but also my characters to make them kind of realistic and. Um, also the conflict because you have to know those social structures in order to break the rules yeah 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 um and also um I did also have to take some of the physical anthropology side um where I study human anatomy Mm. and how we evolved from a quadrupedal uh for a legs uh, four-legged movements mm-hmm. uh, to brachiation, which is where you, or they were swinging in the trees, and then mm-hmm. um, to bipedal walking upright, mm-hmm. as we know, um, and how our muscles and bone structures were formed and changed over time, mm-hmm. and that helps with writing shifters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and kind of getting into the, the in my head about the nitty gritty details. I'm, of course, I'm not in my books like, oh, and the muscle changed, shifted from here to here kind of thing. But um, just kind of in my head, having that realistic transformation um, helps me kind of visualize and get my characters that are shifters on the page. Wow, that's, I mean, the the way you described it to me is like, this your your background in anthropology is, is is crucial and essential in in the world building that you're doing. I mean, I can't. I mean, I've I've read some shifter. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I will. I won't say I'm no huge paranormal romance reader, but mm-hmm. I have read some shifter stuff. I'm like that don't make no sense, girl. Like, how is this supposed to do? How is this supposed to happen? Like, that don't make no sense. You know what I mean? Um, but the way you've explained it and, and how you say you kind of study movement and body position and things like that so make sure you get that part of it right seems so essential and authentic to 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 the writing of of this what what else is the most difficult part of of kind of the world building of of a paranormal shifter romance or world in general not necessarily romance but world in general i think the biggest issue now is finding some way to stand out and be original. Uh, So many shifters is still a really big um, 
subset of the paranormal romance genre. Mm-hmm. It's the Bayou, you know, um, and of course you have your big three, the wolf shifters, the bear shifters, the big cat shifters. Right, right. Um, and then you have, you know, authors like Shai August who are pushing the boundaries of black shifters and including um, not only like uh, animals that you don't typically see like elephants mm-hmm. and um and like bird certain bird shifters but also with like um African mythology yes. creatures and things mm-hmm. um so when it comes to writing shifters the hardest part is not being so similar to someone else's work mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's pretty much everything has been done at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean that's 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 writing in general. Everything you think you have an original idea and it's really not true. Somebody else has written it, but yeah. it's the way you put your spin on it, which is mm-hmm. really important to to do. Yeah, yeah. What do you? Where do you like for like your latest work? Um, and I think that's um, sorry, um, fire and brimstone, fire and brimstone. Yes. Yeah. Where did you pull like your ideas from with this one? And this is part of a whole series, correct? Yes. This fire and brimstone is a start of a new series that I'm currently still writing. But okay. um, <laughs> uh, for fire and brimstone, the idea just I'm a pantser I preface this by saying I'm a pantser mm-hmm. um and I signed up for the Shifting Hearts anthology and I was like okay what can I write about what have I not quite seen too much of mm-hmm. and that was like hellhounds Mm. I hadn't seen too many black hellhounds. Not saying that there's not any out there. There might be a million, mm-hmm. but um, and I think recently, Phoenix Williams might have published a hellhound romance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, that might be an interesting shifter to write about because it's something a little different than your standard wolf or <laughs> yeah so explain to the audience like what exactly a hellhound is so the mythological hellhounds are canine beasts that guard uh hell basically mm-hmm. they keep the bad people in hell and they keep the people that don't need to be there out mm-hmm. uh so like the greek mythology would kind of be like cerberus cerberus yes Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had this idea with like Cerberus, he had the three heads. So um I had the three brothers that were hellhounds that were together um and kind of a policing detective sort of sort of job. And for the female character, um I just like fire a lot. <laughs> so I was like, well, what 
would be a good fire creature that would be a good foil for a hellhound and I was like okay a phoenix Mm. um and I found the cover model um that I had and I was like oh I could just imagine like the flames and the wings and everything around her um and so I just sat down and started writing Mm. and that's how fire and brimstone came to be (laughs) a lot of fire a lot of hell a lot of like I can see like you know how you think about a hound sniffing stuff out so their job is to be a detective in a way (laughs) So I can definitely, I definitely, I can definitely see those parallels between those things. Um, so all of your books have been self-published, correct? Yes. So what is it about self-publishing, and why did you lean into doing self-publishing versus, say, traditional publishing? Um, mostly because of my fear of rejection. <laughs> Um, to be a hundred percent honest, like I was like, I'm going to put my blood, sweat and tears into this work. And then I'm just going to put it out there and multiple times for people to hopefully like it and want to see it and want to pay me for it. Um, and I started self-publishing in 2013, 2015. So like it was the real wild west days of self-publishing. Yeah, yeah. And it was not recommended to self-publish at all if you wanted to be trying to publish. Um, but I just found that I didn't I didn't like the whole process of having to over explain my book and come and do all of this extra writing and go through the querying process, go mm-hmm. through finding the agent, go mm-hmm. through doing all of this. When at that time, I didn't know that I wanted to be a full-time author. It was just okay. something to do while I was, you know, at home with my first kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I'll just put it out there with self-publishing and see what happens. Right. And I fell in love with the process. I loved the control that I had of not just the content of my books, but my cover, um, how it was marketed. I didn't have to, um, I know this sounds really bad, but I didn't have to go through like so many like edits that I felt might change how change my voice in my writing mm-hmm. um and even now I do go back and forth about whether or not I want to try traditional publishing mm-hmm. um and every time I think about it every time I randomly send out a query letter or whatever it's always just like it doesn't feel right so <laughs> yeah so self-publishing just really works for me. And I like I like having the control and the direct access to my readership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the indie space is 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 great for the stories, particularly the stories that you're telling that are like quote unquote not mainstream. Because a lot of the shifters and things like that, they those aren't being published by mainstream. Uh, traditional publishing houses they don't know where to put it 
They don't know if they want to put it in horror, thriller. They don't know where to put it in, in romance. You know, they, they don't know the category and where to put it. So you being, being an indie publisher, um, you have that, like you say, you have that control and you know how you want to market that book and how to market it toward your audience. Um, speaking of marketing, like what has been the most difficult part of um, the self-publishing? Has it been the marketing or has it been something else? Like where did you kind of make your early mistakes when it came to like self-publishing? Um, My earliest mistake was with my very first book. Like I said, it was the early days of self-publishing in the Wild West. It was my first attempt. I didn't know any better. I literally wrote the book in Word got a friend to do like an anime style cover for it and I just <laughs> threw it up on Amazon with like no editing like nothing that was my number one mistake <laughs> um but now that I figured things out a, a bit and I'm more seasoned the hardest part for me now is still the marketing um trying to figure out what works because it's constantly changing mm-hmm. and no one thing works for everyone. Um, you know, I've gone through like three different newsletters, um, tried Facebook, Twitter, BookBub, mm-hmm. Pinterest, you name it. I've been on there. I've tried posting my things and it's just um, the is the best marketing I found for my books hasn't even been actually promoting my books. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> it's yeah. it's been just um doing events and writing mm-hmm. articles and poetry for <laughs> for other platforms and things that um people are like oh that name seems familiar and then they go and they look me up and then they find my books and mm-hmm. it seems to work out more than just you know shouting in the ether on social media right 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 but you have garnered a little fan base um for your books like what's the one thing that they're like passionate about when you when you when you tap into your fan base of your books what's the one number one feedback that they're always giving you about about the books um mostly that they want longer series Um, (laughs) I usually about book three I'm already kind of done and book Mm -hmm. four is my like okay I'm wrapping this up you guys I promise no more um and then they're like but what about this character and what about this character and what about this character and I, I'm like, but I'm already on this other like thing over here. And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Keep writing those. But like, we also want, want the characters. Um, and so that's one of my goals is to write fewer intriguing characters in my books. So I don't have that problem. <laughs> You were intriguing, Karen and Stella. Come on now. You can't, you can't do that to people. <laughs> Most of my books are like novella length. Right, right. I can have up to like eight characters in the book. Yes. So that's, that's too many. I'm yeah. trying to get it down to like five. Four max. 
Yeah, something like that. Um, so, cause not, not everyone can get a book. And I know like one of the purveying like things is like, oh, well it's good. Then you just write like a short story for your website or for your newsletter. And I'm like, yeah, but that never works for me. It always sends up the whole book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't know how to write short. Like you're just like, okay, now I gotta, gotta add something something yeah. else here for, for, for the and party. I'll end up with a whole spin-off series and yeah <laughs> oh man that's too funny um I know writing particularly as an indie author is really solitary sometimes who who is your tribe who do you like lean on and you said your sisters are your beta readers mm-hmm. but what about folks in the industry or other writers in the industry that you lean on for like you know help if you do like a sensitivity read or like have questions about certain things like who's your like community that you like lean on um I have a group of writer friends here in my town locally um I'm really involved with the literary arts community out where I live mm-hmm. um not just as a participant but as an activist helping mm-hmm. us get rights to actually be in craft shows and things out here that we've been excluded from in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, I mentioned Shy August. She's a really good author friend of mine from like the beginning of my, (laughs) of my like publishing days. She's, I can always just like hit her up like, Hey, I'm so stuck. Like, can you help me out? Um, And more recently in the last, year or so during the pandemic I found the word makers community that's run by Tasha L. Harrison um I love the word makers so much it's a really really great positive space for productivity and help with all facets of of writing Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely shout out to Tasha man word makers helped me push through my last like couple chapters in my debut too so um, they are tremendously helpful <laughs> yes. so when you say you talked about getting stuck in things what what do you do when you're just like in the weeds you don't know where to go you're stuck on a character a plot point you know you're just like I don't know what the heck I'm doing here what do you do when you're just like kind of stuck or have like a block uh one of two things I either stop completely and spend about a week just binge watching (laughs) k-dramas that's completely different than what I write because it's like super slow burn sweet romance like you're 20 episodes in and they're just now holding hands like (laughs) uh, and or I try to write if I'm stuck at one point, I'll just jump scenes. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I can't figure that out. I'll figure it out later. I'll go and write over here. And if that doesn't help, like I said, I reach out to my author buddies, Child and the word makers in my local community here. And they usually help me get out of the weeds fairly quickly. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So do, when you're talking about series, series, when you're, I know you say you're more of a, a pantser, 
Mm-hmm. And I know building, world building, and particularly in paranormal and in any type of fantasy is so crucial. Do you have an idea for the series before you start writing? Or is, or do you just kind of like, okay, let me see what happens and I'll see where the series kind of takes me? Because I mean, people kind of, some people like plot their series, like books out, like six, seven mm-hmm. books out. They know where the series is going to go. How is it even going to end? Um, or are you just, uh, I'm just going to see you know, vibes. I'm on vibes. <laughs> I'm writing on vibes. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely more of a vibes author, but uh I do at least attempt to have like the loosest of structures. Um it's like I know who the characters are um and who they're supposed to end up with. The actual like urban fantasy plot or like the romantic plot I can't even tell you if it's going to be friends to lovers enemies to lovers until I'm like halfway through the book right so I'm very much just like whatever comes to me in the moment and that's why I rely so heavily on like my beta readers and my editor to kind of rein in everything because like I said, I'll end up with like 20 characters and 30 side plots and, you know, whatever just makes it to the paper, makes it to the paper and they help me lead it down to something a little more coherent. So is that the hardest part about writing? Is it, is it just the self-editing or is it something else? Definitely the self-editing um, because... I wake up every day and I'm like, oh, you know, it would be cool if this happened. And then what about, what about if this happens? And then my, I'll bounce the idea off my sister and she'll be like, yes, but if you do that, she's probably not going to want to stay with him. Right, 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 right. Or if you kill off that character in that way, I won't continue reading this book because they were like a favorite. Um, and it's like, okay, okay, you're, yeah. you're welcome. But it kind of worked out for Unforgettable Valentine. Yeah, yeah. But I was just throwing the whole kitchen sink in and people like it. So. It was cute. It was so cute. I I, I really enjoyed it. But, and, but I wouldn't say that's the book. Okay, so because you are a paranormal author, I wouldn't say that's the, I would not say that's the book that people should read first to get introduced to your writing. What would you say is the book that they should read first? Um, that's a hard one. So I would say either Ferocious, mm-hmm. which is the first book in my Secret of Sarah series. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are into like, and it's a straight paranormal romance, urban fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want something a bit more kitchen sink, like Unforgettable Valentine, mm-hmm. then I would say go for His Soul to Keep. Mm-hmm. Um, that one is alien vampire shifter hybrids. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. <laughs> alien so. vampire shifter, that is, that's wild. <laughs> but but I I can see it but I I see it I visualize it and if you want like high steam with just a hint of paranormal Mm -hmm. then I would go with uh Yarding Braxton which is from my latest series 
Mm -hmm. um, the Wild Cross family. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so what are the most difficult scenes for you to write in, in books? Sex scenes. No hesitation on that. It's, it's, it's Why? Is it, is it because I thought the sex things were good in, in Unforgivable Valentine, but maybe, hey, I don't know. But, <laughs> but what makes them difficult for you to, to, to write? Uh, because I don't want them to all sound the same. Mm -hmm. And so I, I tend to overthink it. Mm -hmm. And it's always a lot more detailed in my head than what ends up on the page. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's why they're the hardest for me to write um, because I can see it in my head and then I'll like wait a couple of months after I've written it and read the actual like section and I'll be like, wait, mm -hmm. that's not what I pictured in my head. I like, how does... Like, I don't think this hand placing quite works or like. You know, um, Katie Roberts says she uses Barbie dolls to help her like, you know, map out sex scenes. And I think, you know, that, that I, I cannot lie. I've used my daughter's Barbie dolls. It's incredibly helpful. <laughs> it's incredibly helpful. So, I mean, maybe, maybe we should just all start using Barbie dolls like Katie Roberts. Yeah, my my girls don't let me touch their dolls. They're oh. <laughs> um, my, my daughter, bit, oh, she is Barbie Barbie down. Her last birthday was a Barbie birthday, so trust me, I got I ha she has probably about thirty Barbies, so I can just snatch a few, and she wouldn't even know. She would not even know. But. Uh, mine don't even like Barbies. Really? I was like, no, it was just like. I was like, I'm not going to buy my kids Barbies. And then as soon as my youngest turned five, I was like, all right, you got the Barbie dream house with the pool and the elevator and the dolls. Here you go. And they were just like, this is cool for five minutes. And now they just like leave them naked around the house. But I'm not allowed to touch them because it's their toys. Not yes, 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 yes. <laughs> so what's next for you in, in terms of like a series and, and writing's concerned? So um, I just finished the Wild Cross Family series. Fire and Brimstone is kind of a spinoff series um, from that. Um, I will say that uh, the Westmore clan makes an appearance in the Fire and Brimstone series. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, and because it's set in Mulberry, which is the same city Thanks, as, yeah. as Unforgettable Valentine. Mm -hmm. um, my not so super secret project is a thriller mm. that. I've been working on for a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm hoping to maybe get that one done in the next year or two, mm -hmm. put out as something different. Cause I, I don't subscribe to the idea that you need to stick to one genre, obviously. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, 
So I'm hoping that I can get that out and people enjoy that as well, because I find my readership is kind of split between those who read my books for the romance and those who read it for the like urban fantasy slash suspense plots in them. Um, but yeah, there's definitely more shifters in the works and whatever comes into my brain next. Uh, <laughs> I have like a more fire and brimstone is like a going to be a darker series. Okay. Um, uh, with like, because it's detective, so it has to deal with crime right, and right, right. also is dealing with like hell. So like demons and stuff. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, but with my Wild Cross family, I set up for a more light-hearted uh, shifter um, community that I've been playing around with. Mm-hmm. So we'll just we'll just see whichever one gets the polishing first to be published. <laughs> oh man! Okay, I'm looking for. I'm definitely looking forward to it for real. I really, really am. So, okay, so we're going to play a little rapid fire questions and um, we'll see. Just give me a first answer that pops to the front of your mind, um, sort of like in the actors, behind the actor studio or in the actor studio, whatever it was called. Um, so your favorite book as a kid? Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry by Same. Mildred Taylor. <laughs> Mildred Taylor stand over here, the whole Logan family. Listen, I'm trying to buy a whole set for my daughter. I'm so upset. I had the whole set and I even had some of them signed by Mildred D. Taylor. No. But in one of our moves, uh, the box molded oh, and, I bought, no. and, I, and it was unsalvageable. Oh. I'm just like, oh, my leg. Oh, that's so, hard. Oh, God. Uh, yes. But also working on getting that set for my girls now that they're of age to read it. Same, same, same. Um, Do you like writing heroes or villains? Both. Mm, Okay, okay. Okay, I don't think I know the answer to this one. Do you like writing love scenes or dramatic arguments? (laughs) Oh, I definitely prefer. For the love scene over the argument, it's just harder. Right. You're right. It's harder, right? <laughs> <laughs> Where's your favorite place to write? Oh, that's a hard one. I used to write a lot on my couch, mm-hmm. um, but now I have my own fabulous room, office space. So I have to say that otherwise my kids might decide it's their new playroom. <laughs> Listen, my daughter already like has like a little teeny tiny corner in here. So anyway, no, no, we, we cannot escape these children. <laughs> Book reviews. Do you read them or don't read them? I definitely read them. Really? Really? Yes. I read them, but I keep my comments to myself, as all authors should. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Music, does it help you write? And if so, do you have like a playlist for like each book that you're writing on or or creating? 
Uh, music is so integral to my life. I wake up to music. I go to bed to music. Uh, I definitely write to music. Uh, Unforgettable Valentine was inspired by the song Who Knew by Chloe and Hallie. Mm-hmm. I literally listened to that song on repeat for like <laughs> three weeks while I wrote the first draft wow. of that book. Wow. Uh, but as far as playlists, I don't, I don't really have a set playlist. It's just whatever my mood is that day. Okay. Okay. Um, what is the last romance novel that you read? Uh, last one I read would have been... I'm terrible at names of books. Like, cause with the Kindle, like it's not like in your face, you don't see the name of the book. Right. Only you pick it up and you're reading the book. Um, but it was, um, I think Boo and Boo Hale by Kimberly Lemming. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy her, her novels. They're so fun. Yeah. Uh, and I like to read snippets to my husband. like he's it's like I'm that person that person that makes commentary through 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 movies I'm that person that makes commentary while I read and my husband's just lost I'm like oh my god babe this sword just yelled this thing and he's like okay (laughs) (laughs) okay so speaking of movies um has there ever been a best movie or book to movie adaptation that you see or do you just think they all suck jurassic park yeah that was a good one you know what i remember having to read jurassic this is so off topic i remember (laughs) having to read jurassic park in like the seventh grade for like biology yeah and it was so uh it was so much science in this book yeah bro like Come on, but the movie definitely, you're right, the movie definitely translated the science and and the whole like idea of cloning and everything a lot better than the book did because I was like bored out of my mind trying to read Jurassic Park. Yes, so Jurassic Park was a good one and then um, Rain by B.C. Andrews. Mm. Uh, the movie that came out in like the 90s, I think, mm-hmm. that one. I remember like really bringing the character to life for me, but it could have just been because I was excited to see a young black woman on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like a dramatic role. I mean, it's DC Andrews, so it was still very tragic, but. And, and oh God, so much mess. DC <laughs> Andrews. Yeah. So much trauma and mess. You are so right. Um, is there a word that you use a lot in your writing, like the a favorite word that you use in your writing? Uh, favorite word? No. But if you ask Grammarly or Pro Writing Aid, <laughs> I use um, a lot of so. I guess so. Me, I think for me, it's because I, I, I will start up sins with because in a minute. I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't care. Um, 
But back to the movies. If one of your books became a movie, which book would it be and who would you want to play the leads? Uh, um, well, I'm just going to say I'm a big Gabrielle Union fan. Mm-hmm. So she can play any of my lead characters. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as far as a book to movie... I would say either ferocious mm-hmm. with Gabrielle Union who or would the, who would be the guy? The guy I wanna say like maybe a Morris Chestnut. Kind of old school with that one, or old school in quotations, because <laughs> yeah, old school in quotations. He ain't that old. He's only fifty. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, those would be my my two picks there. Uh, and I think this, if I had, but if not that one, it would be his soul to keep. Because I think that would just be really interesting to see, um, to see what what they would do with it, with like the CGI, with the alien vampire shifter hybrids, and yes. and the shadows and stuff like that. Yes, yes. And for that, I feel like I would choose uh, Sinai Lathan. Mm-hmm. And um, John Boyega. Yeah. Well, they both have proven they can be in vampire and alien things. So I think that's pretty spot on. (laughs) That's pretty spot on. I just think it would be funny to see John Boyega tell Sanaya Lathan that her breath stinks. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Because yeah, it's a scene he hates tuna. So in order to keep him help keep himself in check because she's his baited mate, uh-huh. he gives her a sandwich. And so she's trying to come on to him with tuna breath. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. That's funny. <laughs> He's like, girl, your breath stink. Get away from me. <laughs> oh man. So um, now I'm gonna be like it's gonna be seared in my brain cell of like the rest of the life. <laughs> the next time my husband has a tuna sandwich, I'm like, boy, get away from me, your breasties. <laughs> um, where do you see, particularly black paranormal romance novels? Where would you like to see them like go in like the next decade? Oh, I honestly really like the trajectory that they're on now especially Mm -hmm. with like the urban fiction Mm -hmm. where we're just the authors are so like unapologetically black in their Mm -hmm. writing and their marketing Mm -hmm. and everything and just being like if you don't like it kick rocks right 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 Um, Mm -hmm. I really really enjoy that about the black author community and I want to see that continue to be embraced moving forward Mm -hmm. but also 
I would love, love, love if we could get some of those movie dollars because I'm so tired of being excited about a rom-com and then not being able or a romantic drama and not being able to watch it because it's some like tragically racist or or transphobic or whatever. Like I'm I'm just like, ugh. I know. You know what's funny? And I always talk about the golden age of black cinema, which was like the 90s, right? You know, the 90s, 2000s, right? And in addition to rom-coms, we also had a good amount of paranormal movies. You know what I'm saying? We had Bones, we had Sales from the Hood. We had like all these other horror slash paranormal things. Vampire in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, yes. Like Evil is Good. I love that movie, by the way. It's one of my favorite. Like Angela Bassett as a yes. Like, like what we need more of that, and in not in like self-deprecating ways, like that one Netflix show with the teenager who's a vampire hunter, and she falls in love with the white vampire. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't. They're like, oh, I have to reject my whole family lineage. No, we don't want none of that. Like, we just have a show about like two black vampire hunters that are just like badass. You know what I'm saying? Like, none of you know. So yeah, justice for Sleepy Hollow. I don't know why they came to my head. No, I loved Sleepy Hollow at first, and they kind of they were doing some some random stuff with that show towards the end too. And they did Nicole Bahari real wrong. Real wrong. That's what I'm saying. Justice, justice for Nicole Bahari, Abby, Sleeping Hollow. Yeah. I mean, we were having, we were, we were about to get a hey Dave and some stuff. Just anyway, I'm, I'm going off a tangent. Like justice for Tiana, like why she uh, defrog the whole movie. Yes. Yeah. And the second one that's about to come out, I'm just like, I'm not even sure if I want to see another like her go from like them doubling down on that like strong black woman I'm gonna work and take care of everybody mm-hmm. detriment of myself kind of aspects mm-hmm. again yeah 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 but yeah we definitely need more more black paranormal and I like I like what you said about the the movie dollars because I, I wish I would love to see more you know I, I love go I love going to the movies but I love supporting more black paranormal you know things that are being produced by mainstream um you know i think the closest we have is like they're them remaking blade yeah 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 them remaking blade and it's a few things on 2b if you dig (laughs) 2b (laughs) and bt plus you know what i mean like that whole monique movie is taking off with the reading or whatever that's taking off um, um, on uh, BET. Everybody's talking about that. It's crazy. Yeah. But I'm um, really excited about the new season of Discovery. Oh, yeah. I love Discovery. Sonequa Martin. Yeah. I'm super nice. jealous. My cousin actually got to meet her in person recently. Oh, man. Man. So I'm going to ask you my last question. Okay. When it's all said and done, what do you want readers to say about the books that you write when you've written like 50,000 series and then this 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 comes becomes like major like motion picture 
maybe you know um i would just hope that they just really enjoyed it i think that's i wanted my books to be a level of escapism like to still kind of talk about and deal with the things that black people um deal with you know in their daily lives but not in a way where it's like trauma traumatic <laughs> you know a way of Let me ask you something you brought up something there's this conversation going around on tiktok uh-oh <laughs> you know where I'm about to go so there was this young lady she was black um and she was talking about you know it's hard for fantasy readers who are black to read other black authors of fantasy because so much is wrapped up in the trauma of being black right and she's like um you know they're not taking into account, you know, maybe the middle class black experience, or they're just they're just taking into account stereotypical black experiences. Um, you ain't got to give me no soliloquy on it, girl. But what are your what are your thoughts on that sort of attitude that fantasy for black folk is still wrapped up in trauma? Uh I'm like how do you separate your blackness from the trauma that's you know heaped upon us daily and I Mm -hmm. hate that I'm middle class so I didn't experience that is total bull I've been firmly middle class my entire life I will tell anybody right now I uh, there was another discourse on there about whether you're a housewife or a lady of luxury. Yes, yes, yes. I am a lady of luxury. My husband works and makes the money and I get to, you know, do my uh, book writing in my own private office in my <laughs> own home. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. You know? You know, and stay home and, you know, shuttle my kids back and forth to their sports firmly middle class. And I can tell you that does not exclude me from racism, casual, systemic in the least bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is reflected in my writing. Mm-hmm. So, no, I'm not writing about being in the hood and having shootouts and stuff in your house or anything that's you know quote unquote ghetto mm-hmm. but which is this not a slight or anything this is just what I you meant. Yeah. yeah uh but that doesn't mean that when I write about my character who's a school teacher or my character who's a detective there's not going to be some commentary about the struggles they face in the workplace Mm. about the different ways that people react to their to their authority Mm -hmm. you know you know um and just how they're treated um in general like Mm -hmm. um in zenith my the fourth book in my series like i said she's a teacher and she's open about her you know 
sex life or whatever. And her coworker felt like it was okay to comment on her sex life to a stranger mm-hmm. and ask them why they were courting her mm-hmm. or wanting to bring her flowers, knowing that, you know, she's with other people and like a workplace environment and her calling them out about it. Right, right, right. <laughs> right? Like that's none of your business. Like stay mm-hmm. out, stay out my lane, stay out my business, you know, right, right. granted she was being messy, but if that's a whole other situation. Uh, but I mean, these are things that we have to deal with as, as black people, as black women, just, mm-hmm. you know, being over-sexualized as black men being seen as threats, mm-hmm. uh, the angry black woman stereotype. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not the angry black woman, then you're being basically steamrolled because your cares and fears and worries and health don't matter. Right. Oh, so I, I just, I take real offense to it. And I'm just like, even though I don't always write black love as in a black male and black female character coming there, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to be just as support equally vocal and supportive about Mm -hmm. keeping that definition of black romance and black love Mm -hmm. to that standard, because it's not like, I am well aware that my cover with the white dude on it sells more at oh, yeah. the fair than the books with the black women on it and mm-hmm. unforgettable valentine that shows a loving black couple and an embrace mm-hmm. no like that's not like i'm well aware of that fact mm-hmm. yeah, yeah you know and i'm not discounting other authors experiences because it's not quote unquote easy content Mm-hmm. well thank you thank you so much for that insight on that I, I appreciate it because as soon as you said that I was like that just triggered something in my mind about that <laughs> about that subject for real for real I do I appreciate that so Stella tell us where we can find all your books girl and where we can find you on social media I am at all major online retailers Amazon Barnes Noble Apple um, but if you want direct links to my stuff, if you buy from me on my website, stellawilliamsauthor.com, I do sign all my books and include free swag. So ooh, ooh, up. Yes. Um, and even if you don't buy my books directly from me, if you want, um, I do have book plates that I send to people for free. If you want a signed book, just send me an email and I'll send you a book plate with my signature and a little saying on it mm-hmm. that you can stick in your book. Um, I'm really not hating on that. And on social media, I'm at Stella Love for Life on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and I am on TikTok. I'm more of a lurker than the content creator yeah, I think we're friends but I don't think you posted <laughs> I, I posted a couple videos but it's it's very time consuming for me and I because I work from home I don't get dressed up very often I feel like if I'm gonna do a video I need to look halfway decent like oh, you know brush my hair wear something more than just my like fuzzy onesies <laughs> uh so yeah 
Stella, this has been an absolute treat. Thank you for coming on. I've had such a good time talking to you. And uh, I wish you much success. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick up this alien vampire girl. Because you got me. I'm that's the, that's the next book I buy. <laughs> I'm definitely I am definitely going to buy that book because I'm like alien vampires. Yeah, okay. I gotta read this. I gotta read this. I'm intrigued. But thank you so much for coming on. I really really appreciate it. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really really enjoyed this, and like I said uh, before, like I was so excited to come on Romance and Color. It's been a dream of my dream life. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh, I'm glad it may help you help make your dreams come true. <laughs> Coming on our little bitty podcast. But thank you so much. Thank you. I want to thank my guest, Stella Williams, once again for coming on to the podcast. You can find out where to buy all of her books, links to her social media, and more of her writing on her website, Stella Williams Author. Once again, I'm Tati Richardson, and thank you all for stopping by this week at uh, Romance and Color. I'm talking about my little old podcast. <laughs> um, you can find us on social media at Romance in Color on Instagram. That's color with a U. And on Twitter, that's romance, the letter N, color with you, all one word. And I am pretty much everywhere on social media as Richard Writes On. Um, that's Richard and W-R-I-T-E-S-O-N, Richard Writes On, a little play on Richard Wright. And um, you can find more links about me, um, my website, any events that I'm doing on my website tatianarichardson.com and remember my debut novel The Build Up comes out on March 28th and there are pre-order links pretty much everywhere on all my social media Uh, so you all uh, pick up a copy it's going to be really really exciting anyway take care and I will see you guys next week for another episode of Romance and Color. God bless. Bye.